0: This podcast number 843 with Evan Herman is brought to you by Justin Donald, the author of a new book entitled The Lifestyle Investor, The Ten Commandments of Cash Flow Investing for Passive Income and Financial Freedom. Justin is someone who spent years attempting to figure out the best investments that can create a passive income and create financial freedom. And in his new book, he gives the readers an insight of what to do and what to avoid when it comes to investing. If you want to learn more about Justin Donald, his new book, Blog, Podcast, and Mastermind Course, please visit his website at www.justindonald.com. And now for our featured podcast, please enjoy listening to my interview with Evan Herman as we talk about areas of life that matter most and his podcast entitled The Whole Person Podcast. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I have Evan Herman joining me um, from is Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Is that the? Okay. So I don't know exactly where Broken Arrow is, but it's got to be near Oklahoma City. Would that be right?
1: Uh, no. Well, we're further away from. Do you know where Tulsa is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're a suburb of Tulsa.
0: Okay. Suburb of Tulsa. And uh, Evan has a show, podcast show. He reached out to me said he wanted to be on the show and as most of my listeners know it's mainly people who've got books but in this case uh Evan had a compelling story we talked I wanted to put him on I've listened to a couple of his podcasts and I think he has something very important to say today and I want to tell the people just a tad bit about you Evan uh his show is called the whole person podcast it's about an entrepreneur's journey and he is a real estate broker but I'm sure he's done other things other than real estate. Because you don't just pop into real estate. Uh, and of becoming a whole person and living a life of significance in areas that matter most faith, family, finances, friendship, fitness, fun uh, is his entire life. I love it. It's all the F's, the alliteration of the F word. Um, <laughs> I thought about calling it the F U podcast. It didn't really so be the, my so part. the other Can thing would it? be you wanted to add one more F word in there, then okay, you could add that on the end, but I don't know how long. You You would stay on the air. Um, I've wanted to be a high-performing person, he said, and the success and accolades that go with it. And I know when people are looking for peak performance, you know, they got to be curious. Um, They have to find the intersection of those curiosities and passion um they have to bring those together for purpose and then when they find that purpose they can get on a lit on fire and set goals and then when they set those goals they can get the grit and determination to uh, achieve those goals so there is a formula here for it uh the key though is i'm sure he's going to be talking about his purpose and this pursuit of that um You know, obviously he's had his own ups and downs, both uh, physically and emotionally along the way. And we're going to be speaking about some of those from some of the questions that I ask him. Um, But Evan, let me kind of just get right into it. Um, I kind of ask people who don't have a book, um, what is the defining moment in your life that set you in pursuit of finding out who really Evan is? (laughs) That Yeah,
1: so (laughs) it's really ironic. Or have you had that defining moment? I, I, I (laughs) I, I did have that defining moment. And it was in this process of, I first want to say it was a process that led to a moment. And the process was, you know, I spent, since I was seven years of age, wanting to be a pastor, wanting to be in vocational ministry. I went to a university, got a degree in theology, local church pastor, Graduated, couldn't get a job to save my life. I got royally rejected. Some kind, majority not so kind of rejection. What, what denomination was that? Or was it? Or was it generic? It, I was, whoever would hire me, I would have gone. Okay, I, okay. I applied to. So you went
0: everything. to theology school, you spent all this time, you got out of theology school, you wanted to be a minister, right? right. Yep. You go. Searching around, and no one wants to hire a minister with white glasses and funny hair, and right. a beard. So they said, "Hey, we're not hiring you, dude," or whatever. So, because you had all this knowledge about theology, what'd you do with it? You became a real estate broker. Did those people want to know
1: about theology? Right. <laughs> so what led me? So what happened is, I, I uh, after I graduated, a week later, I got married to my wife, and then in the next four years. I had over 21 jobs in that time period. A lot of it was temporary part-time job. However, I have this wife now that's like, hey, this guy can't keep a job. Like who the heck did I marry? And you know, there's a lot of reasons. Some, like I said, part-time temporary work. And then some of it I quit and some of it I got fired. And there's a lot of circumstances revolving around that. But it led to this moment. Where a gentleman pulled me aside, and was like, "Hey, have you thought about getting in real estate?" And I said, "Not really. I've always wanted to be a real estate investor." And he goes, "Well, maybe you should, you know, get in real estate first." And so I proceeded to do that. And what led me to this moment in my life after that conversation is I started applying for different brokerages, mm-hmm. and I started being interviewed. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm hot stuff here. You know, no experience, but I mean, every broker wants a real estate agent. And so, as I'm in one of my interviews with a local brokerage, you know, basically like 20 minutes into the interview, he's like, "I'm just going to stop this interview." He goes, "You're not the person that we'll want to hire. Uh, you have a victim mentality, and we have no interest in working with you." Like it was just this smack in the face, and I'm like, uh I don't, I don't have a victim mentality." You know, in my mind. I just wanted to share with them who I was, my experiences, my life, and what I realized after the fact, you know, probably a day or two later, you know what? I do have a victim. I do
0: have a victim mentality.
1: That's when you went to Landmark Forum. Just kidding you. Right.
0: You know, in the day when I went to those courses, it was Est and Tony Robbins and all of that, you know, and uh, neuro-linguistic programming. But the reality, there's a plethora of personal growth stuff. So the defining moment was what for you? You know, you got this degree. You went out, couldn't get a job. Um, or did something else happen that was really super divining to say, Hey, I have a victim mentality. I got to do something about that or I'm
1: never going to get hired. Well, it was, there's multiple layers to this, but that was one of the catalysts that made me realize I needed to change the way I looked at my situation because mm. previously I blamed a lot of people for my situation and I didn't take in terms of Jocko Willock's explanation, extreme ownership. And so I started personal responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. I started taking personal responsibility. Even though I had a terrible boss, well, I chose that boss. I chose to go to work for the first person that was willing to hire me. And so it wasn't until I started making those changes that I started seeing personal growth. The other thing too was I, I shortly before that, it was in the same year, my wife gave birth to a premature stillborn daughter. And that was, that was extremely difficult for us. And what had ended up happening is in the place that I was currently working at, I asked off for mother's day and I asked off for father's day in advance, not like two or three days a week, like two or three weeks, you know, just to get that in, because that was a very, I knew those days were going to be hurtful and they wouldn't let me have them off. And they knew the reason why I wanted off too. And so that was the moment where where I really started making the shift. Okay, I'm not going. I'm going to work for myself. Mm-hmm. And so, with you the can advice, take any day off, right? <laughs> and so, it was around that time I had the conversation with this guy who told me to work for myself. And so, these things led up to that moment of realizing I needed to change who I was. And I realized very early on is that my business will grow to the extent that I do. And so, I became hyper focused on personal growth, wholeness, and well being. And wholeness was really an idea that I got from my Alamada or Roberts University sweet 16 baby, um, which was spirit, mind, body, the whole person concept.
0: Right. right, Which is why you call your show the whole person podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, and that is a defining moment. And I I think that, you know, the good thing is, you know, for a lot of people, they stay in regression. Um, They don't get it. They don't have the wake up. They got to get hit more than once and it usually most people are hit in the head along the side of the head a few more times before they awaken uh, to the possibilities. and in your case this was um, moving away from having freedom uh, the freedom to do what you needed to do and real estate is a great uh, avenue for that. My son's in real estate, so I know. so I checked out your podcast show and you've interviewed some really interesting people. one just recently, because my book is called "Hacking the Gap: A Journey from Intuition to Innovation and Beyond," and this gentleman was talking about innovation, um, and it was interesting. Um,
1: how are you using your intuition to guide you? Yeah, so I, I like to look at it and think of it personally as as a believer uh, of the Holy Spirit and being cognizant of those moments, those thoughts, those inklings of a small change, a small course correction in your day. And sometimes they seem very trivial and unimportant, but that can make a big difference. And so there's been multiple times in my life, I mean a a great example that that I can give is there was a time that my wife and I were supposed to go to a wedding. It was in Kansas, but I just had this unctioning not to go. Well, on the way back from the wedding, we would have ran into probably at least two tornadoes that would have been pretty much where we were at this time of, of coming back. Cause I mapped it out another time we were supposed to go camping. We got all the stuff in the car and I had that, don't go. So I told my brand new bride, we're not going to go camping. And she was, she was livid at me. You promised, you know, and I, I was struggling to be a good husband. And so this is just another letdown on my behalf, but then turns out there was a tornado in the campground that we were going to camp at yeah and so yeah. we didn't find that out till 7 hours later but she was very appreciative that i listened to that and so well some- you do you feel yours do you sen- sense it do you hear
0: voices how does it come to you because you know it's auditory it's kinesthetic intuition comes in many different ways so how does yours come i would say the majority of
1: the time as a thought thought Okay. Mm-hmm. thought yeah. that that comes pretty much out of nowhere. Right. Prevailing and, and, kind of boom right? hits you. And that's what I have to pick up because a lot of times we will, we will mistake thoughts for our own thinking. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. When sometimes it's just, it wasn't me that thought of that. It was literally the intuition, this, the Holy spirit that put that thought there. And I need to be able to recognize it and be sensitive to it. You know, do, I, you I, get, do you also get signs
0: and symbols? So a lot of people, you know, they'll look at a sign and they'll get like a, a road sign or they'll see a symbol of something um, and it will give them uh, a thought. It, it's like they're, they're on the outlook or they see a bird, an animal in nature or something actually. Because I've done a lot of interviews on intuition. Your gentleman was saying he interviewed all those people. Um, I did the same thing. So I find that intuition is really awareness, and the greater your level of awareness, the greater the level of intuition.
1: Yeah, for me, it's not so much signs or symbols as right. as much as it is more so. For me, it's the thought, like thought, random thought that comes into my mind and being able to recognize it. Because how do you discern? How do you discern the random thought? from being the ego versus being god
0: a lot because the ego
1: talks a lot <laughs> right a lot of failure <laughs> that's how you discern the difference a lot of failure and the other aspect is you know in the christian perspective to be able to know god's voice you have to also spend time in his word and mm-hmm. so there are things that you can do to be sensitive to his voice more and for me that is that is the way i I learned to discern and then also learning to discern my own voice and then the voice of an accuser, the voice of a deceiver because we all have those negative voices. You know, a lot of us call it negative self-talk, yep. which is true, but that's the voice of a deceiver. And so learning how to discern which voices are, I'm listening to in my head. We have over what, I think it was like 75, hundred thousand thoughts. day. And, you know, what I've realized is not all those thoughts are my thoughts. You know, some of them are thoughts that come from marketing because I see an advertisement. Some of them are deceitful. Some of them might be, you know, God-oriented and then just learning how to decipher between them. I tell people
0: in the book that it's really about learning how, you know, it's like a, a radio and a fine-tuning it mm. to get the signal To get a strong signal so you can hear what needs to be heard um, takes work on your part to really start, whether it's meditation, contemplation, prayer, whatever it is to get you into the silence to understand where that is and find it. Um, But it is like fine tuning the. The radio. I know I'm speaking olden days because everything's digital, but the point is, is that you know it's fine tuning. It's like fine tuning an instrument. So that's a good thing, and I'm glad that you had time to speak with our listeners about that.
1: You know, in our pre-interview segment, um, yeah, I was just going to say, say, have you heard of the book by Brother Lawrence? He's a, he's an, uh, a monk, uh-huh. and it, the book was Practicing the Presence of God.
0: I have heard of it. I have not read it. It would be a great recommendation for our listeners to go reading.
1: Yeah, it's a very easy, quick read. It's it's a letter, it's letters, basically. And long story short, he first came in as someone to take care of the financial aspect of the monastery. Then they found out he was terrible at math. So then he got demoted to being a cook. Found out that he was terrible at cooking. So then uh-huh. they demoted him. To be in the grocery shopper. Well, he had a physical limp and an element that did not allow him to be expedient in grocery shopping. And so they often did not get to eat on time. So then they demoted him to dishwasher. And he talks about how in him doing dishes was some of the greatest times that he spent with God. Oh, yeah. Because he learned how to practice God's presence everywhere he was at. It's so like, you thing. know, when you go to
0: meditation retreats, and I've been on many, you know, if you're in silence for three, four, five days, and you're peeling a potato, or you're peeling a carrot, or you're making a salad, and you're in community, there can be nothing stronger than being in community in silence to find the presence of God. Um, and it can be in the most menial things, sweeping the floors, you know, cleaning the toilets. Um, and I'm, I'm saying this to all the listeners because... Some of them may not know. Um, There is nothing about, hey, having to go to a monastery or a church or wherever and have to sit in front of this uh, ostentatious looking uh, stained glass to find your uh, peace. You can find it out in the wilderness. You can find it in the bathroom. You can find it wherever you need to find it. The point is you need to be looking and you need to be aware. So now you mentioned in our pre-interview segment that you wanted to speak about listeners about the experiences with grief and loss. And I've had quite a few folks in here written books, psychologists, and all kinds of people about grief and loss. Um, What have been the significant losses in your life and how are you grieving and coping with these losses um, as we speak?
1: So all my experience comes from personal experience. I I don't ever want to pretend like I'm an expert in this field. I've just gone through hard knocks. And since 2008, I've lost one close person or really, really good acquaintance in my life every single year, sometimes a few in a year. I've had multiple mentors. I've had best friends. I've had children. Just yesterday, um, a guy who I consider my brother, he he lived with my family for many years. Um, His father-in-law, who we were also well acquainted with, passed away. And grief is what I'm learning. It's something that just never officially ever goes away. There is still always that hurt, that pain, that longing, that desire.
0: Pick up the phone and just call them.
1: It's interesting you're talking
0: about it because a friend of 47 years died last Friday, my friend. We rode bikes together. We hiked together. We He was the best man in my wedding, everything. And it was an accident. Uh, he fell jogging and hit his head. And he had a hematoma. And they said he was brain dead. So they pulled the uh, life support and he died very quickly. But yet, as this week has moved forward, I posted it on Facebook and I put it out and I had people respond and give their condolences. But nothing can prepare you for the loss, as you're talking about, um, other than your own ability to look deep within and recognize your own finitude that it could just have easily have been you, right? And are you prepared? Are you prepared to make the transition from the physical world to the spiritual world or however people believe, because we have lots of different people listening to this show. They're not all strong Christian. We've got Muslims and you name it. They're from everywhere. And what I say is, what are you doing to kind of prepare yourself? So what are you doing every day that allows you to, as you're being reminded of these people who are passing in front of you, to prepare yourself for your own ultimate passing and the ability to give love and compassion to the world such that everybody, not as, hey, wants to remember Evan, but that Evan is in their heart?
1: To answer that, there's a mental health portion to, to that question for myself. Mm-hmm. I had been scared of death. I had often been in grief and depression over the idea of dying. Mm-hmm. And since I've had so much so close happen to me, it felt like death was always around the corner. And I actually went through some counseling last year. And what I realized is I was grieving my own death that had not yet happened. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it it was an inability for me to live in the present because I was fantasizing something that would happen in the future. Ultimately becoming kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And when I realized that, it was like a light switch flipped. I was able to put that down and realize that I'm grieving something that had not yet happened. And that even when it does happen, I won't even be able to grieve it because I won't be here. And so for me, it was a really shifting point in my life where if I believe that there is an afterlife, if I believe that there's in heaven, then if people, when people don't get healed, and when people die, I must also have enough faith and trust in the belief that there isn't an afterlife. And so for me, there was this transition of, of trust, of hope, of faith that I had not yet reached in my life, even for myself. And so, go ahead.
0: So how is that working for you?
1: It brought So a lot- when I when I
0: say that, you know, look, you spent years in theology school, mm-hmm. and you spent years preparing yourself as a as a strong Christian, which is good. And the faith and belief, how is that working for you? Within
1: the last year, Mm -hmm. there has been so much freedom and healing in that area of my life where I had anxiety because of it. I don't suffer from anxiety anymore. So there are physical things in my life that has actually changed and allowed me to live in the present. Whereas before I wasn't And now, if my wife was over here, she would, uh, you know, concur with me because I am able to be far more present in my life now than I was in the past. Because I could easily get sick, I could easily, you know, go into a a fit of an anxiety and have to seclude myself. But going back to your original question, with how do I want people to remember me or feel loved by me even after the fact? It has to go. Kind of with what I was saying is learn how to live in my present so that I can actually make a difference in the lives of the people around me. You know, for so long go
0: ahead. Yeah. Well, look, what you've learned, if you don't mind me stating, is instead of being preoccupied with the future and the whole thing about fear, uh, you said afraid, that old statement, false expectations appearing real, Mm -hmm. where you become, you get these anxiety attacks um, I used to have anxiety attacks like crazy when I was younger. And I also know that was about my projection into something that wasn't uh, the negative self-talk, whatever was happening. And, you know, for all those personal growth advocates on the show and studiers and whatever, if there's one thing that you can learn is that you can only change what's in the moment. Right. Um, and you can only be present in the moment. That's all we have. We don't know if there's going to be a next moment, right? Right, And so when you look at life measured in time versus measured in quality, so if you stay present, the quality of your life goes up, okay? It's got to um, because you're present for people. I mean, how many times have we been in a meeting or we get distracted by our cell phone or our computer or whatever it might be? And we're supposed to be present for the client. You now, you're a real estate broker. you got to be present for the client and listen, right? You're, you went to theology school. You learned how to work with people and listen. And if there's any one big trait that we all need to understand more, and I think the reason I went into podcasting 14 years ago was to learn how to listen. I wasn't a great listener, so for you, I think for our listeners, what you've let our listeners know is that you've become more present. You're here now. You're here to give compassion now. You're not afraid of your death now, your own demise, right? Correct. So you could leave any day knowing that whatever you left here, you left it and you left everybody good and it was good. So I think that's that's a phenomenal lesson to be teaching people. Um, now. I talked about this, Evan, you know, you're a real estate agent and there's a kind of a far cry from theology, although maybe not that far of a cry. What is it about real estate that you enjoy and what are the parts of your career um, that you'd like to change? What is it that needs to change in the real estate business? I told so, you this interview is going to go all over the place, but it's no
1: worries. <laughs> So there's a couple of questions there. Which one would you like me to answer first? I'd
0: like you to know what is it that you what parts of your real estate career do you like and what parts don't you like so much?
1: The parts that I do like other than the closing table because those are really enjoyable moments. I actually really like building relationships with people through the process and being able to interact with them after the fact or that If there's something that goes wrong in their house, I'm typically one of their first phone calls, not just because they just bought it and something went wrong, but like, hey, who should I call for this? I get to become a resource, a way to be a trusted advisor. And as a pastor, that's what I was really wanting. I wanted to be able to be someone that people trusted and would consult and talk to. And so I get to fulfill that aspect within the real estate career. Mm-hmm. Thing that I don't like most about my job is probably the one of the most important things, which is what I would call lead generating, going out and getting new business. I just wish you know everyone knew how amazing I was and just flocked to me. It doesn't <laughs> happen that way. It, uh, it is a process. Good. and yeah. that process isn't fun because it comes with a lot of hurt and rejection. But every day, I have to get over that hurt. I have to get over that rejection. So that I can find the people that do want my help. Well, you know, you speak about an interesting thing and, and
0: some of it would be the laws of attraction, you know, who you're attracting into your life. I think that guy in the interview said, um, we, don't, we don't have room for you because um, you're a victim. Um, you've obviously changed your victim mentality.
1: But what have you learned way, about- tried to hire me later. I'll, I'll state that.
0: <laughs> okay. So what have you learned about sales and selling and attracting customers to you that you'd tell our listeners and to someone new in sales who's out there right now? You know, they're listening to this going, well, the thing he hates about it is what they hired me to do, which is to prospect and to find new people that would be willing to pay attention to me or I had something to say. Um, what would you tell them to make their journey easier? You obviously been at it a while.
1: Yeah. In terms of prospecting, I had to get over my own self-righteousness, which is like, well, you know, because when I cold call people, there's this idea, like people shouldn't hang up on me. I'm effort. I'm really good at what I do. Everyone should want. And, you know, that's my mind because I want to be so great at what I do that everyone wants to use me. And there's truth in the aspect of when we need to believe in ourselves, but there's this fine line between belief and self-righteousness. And when I crossed that line into self-righteousness, it often led me into offense. And when I led myself into offense, then it made it even harder for me to want to prospect because when I was rejected, then I'd get hurt easier. And so that was an aspect that I needed to change and just realize, you know what? I hang up on people that cold call me a lot. And I'm just one of those people. And I need to be okay with being Hung up on. And mm-hmm. so that was one of the major aspects of, of sales that I had to kind of get over myself. And then the other thing too, is confidence and belief in yourself is another huge aspect. It took me about five years before I sold a house over $200,000, uh, four years before I sold a house over $200,000 because I just simply did not have the confidence or belief in myself even though it's the exact same process, you just get paid more for one. Mm-hmm. And I did not value myself. I did not think as highly of myself to be able to attract those clients. And somewhere along the way, when I made the shift, then all of a sudden I started making more money and I started attracting better clients because I had a natural confidence in who I was and my ability. And that that is radiant. People will perceive that when you're in an interview and if you don't have confidence within your own ability or yourself. And so once that, that changed, then my career changed because I started seeing more financial success without having to work as hard because I'd have to sell 17 houses to make up for four of the higher-end houses. And so once I really became okay with who I was in my skills and ability and trusted myself then I was able to actually make that leap from what felt like surviving to to thriving.
0: So confidence, courage, courage is a big one, right? Cause it takes courage to go do the $200,000 to step out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it also requires confidence and it requires, I think, and I say this, you know, you get focused for free, but curiosity is a big one. And so, wanting to study the market and understand it and learn it is really an element of it as well. And when you put those into the formula, it gives you the confidence, right? It's like, Hey, I see other people doing this. I can do this. They're no brighter than me. They're no better than me. They're no anything. I'm me. I maybe do it a different way, but the reality is that's it. So we're going to wrap up the show here. And I want you, if you would, Uh, to summarize for the listeners, if they were going to go to your podcast, the whole person podcast, um, and you have uh, quite a few new episodes up there, Um, what is it that you would like people to learn when they listen uh, to Evan? I
1: would say the biggest aspect that I want people to take away from listening to the podcast is they're not alone. Oftentimes, isolation breeds contempt for oneself and fear and doubt. And so in the process of the podcast, my goal is to live my life, my successes, my struggles, my failures out openly, and also to help bridge the gap between the amazing guests that we have and the wisdom and the knowledge that they speak and be a conduit and an implementer of those things so that we get to see how things get lived out and how things get processed. Um, I've had a lot of successes and failures doing that. And in that process, my hope is that when they when people see that who were often in my situation where they just didn't feel fully alive, mm-hmm. that they start seeing hope, that they start seeing ways of of doing things and changing their life so that in a sense they feel like they can come back to life again. And so that's the biggest takeaway that I want people to. To walk away with when they listen to my podcast.
0: And I think I can see it and I can feel it and sense it in you. When you say to come back to life again, you know, you've know, you gone full circle with a lot of things with your grief. Um, your intuition is very strong. You have the courage and the ability to do these things. And you would like to convey to people that it's okay to claim those, uh, to step up and take uh, control of your life. Uh, your story coming out of here as we started was, Hey, they wouldn't let you off for Mother's Day and Father's Day, and you had just gone through a stillbirth um and that was enough of a motivator to get you out and do what you need to do. It sometimes is the simplest things that are the motivators that push you into the level of courage you need to take to move not just to entrepreneurism i'm 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 you know I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I know what the ups and downs of that are, and it's not for everybody. What I'm saying is That no matter what you choose, even if you choose to work for another company, you can claim all of these things for yourself and live this life of abundance and freedom and live a life of spirituality. Live a life with, you know, it doesn't have to be Christianity. It's whatever you choose as long as you have faith in your statement right up front. I'm going to go back to this and read it. Faith, family, finances, friendship fitness, and fun. And I tell you, if you're doing all those from the whole person concept, you're good. Now, people can go to thewholepersonpodcast.com and type it in. I have to admit, yesterday when I clicked on a link of yours, it was broken. It didn't take okay. me to the podcast. So you may want to check that. So is it the com? Is right. that where they can go? Okay. I want to make sure it's so they can, because we're going to put it in our blog.
1: I will go fix we'll
0: we'll have a link to that. And um, so everybody listening, go to Evan Herman. Uh, You you can check it out. Uh, A a really good guy doing a podcast show called The Whole Person. Um, He's got some great interviews on there. Evan, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for taking the time to spend a few minutes with me this morning, speaking with my listeners about what it's like to be a whole person.
1: Well, thank you for letting me invite myself. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're quite welcome, Evan. Have a blessed day.
1: You too. Take care.